Bright Metal Audio presents The Blood Miles by Andrew Moody, read by the author. Volume 1. Chapter 2. It was pretty weird walking along the parapet with everyone cheering at us and patting me on the back. I mean, it was nice to be appreciated, but it was all too much at once. Later on, when I'd had a chance to think about it, I realised that I didn't trust it. First, they were cheering me for a lucky deflection. Second, if they could switch it on like that, they could switch it off just as fast. But that came later. Right then, I was mostly trying to keep from falling over. The south gate was a big metal frame made of I-beams and trench mesh that ran on wheels between concrete walls. As it slid back and we went forward, I could see the van with its battered panels and red X silhouette made of crossed syringes. The driver was standing next to it with her arms crossed. She was middle-aged, with short grey hair and a long grey overcoat that parted to reveal a ceramic breastplate and loose combat pants. Over all of it, she wore a diagonal leather strap that supported a sword from her left shoulder. "'You got some nerve drawing those savages up to our gates, Agent,' said Strickton. "'Who are you and what's your business here?' "'Good day to you, Mayor. My name's Evangeline Varakis, and I'm here with a message for you and the people of Spillin from the Pantark and the Envoy. Why don't you let me in and I'll share it with you?' Strickton looked at her for a moment, making a ticking noise through his teeth. "'We've got pretty strict rules about letting carriers in this town, Agent, and those look like tox scars on your neck. This is a tox-free town.' The woman laughed. "'You can tell your people that, Mayor, but I'd be surprised if you believe it yourself. Still, choice is yours. If you don't want to hear what I've got to say, I'll be on my way.' The Mayor turned to me. "'What do you say, Militiaman? You're the man of the hour?' I reckon I'd like to hear what she has to say, I said. All right, there you go, Agent. One night. Now what's your message? Thank you, Mayor. I'll give it to you short and sweet. The Pantarch has ordered total cleanse and reconstruction for the whole zone to clean out the faction once for all. All the surfaces are going to be cut, and anything and anyone infected with the tox is going to be burned out. I've been instructed to warn everyone in the townships that they need to head to Crux before the TCR. What's Crux? I asked. Treatment outpost, she said, stretching out an arm. Due east of here. Central's offering treatment, eh? said Strickton. What's the catch? How much is it? Treatment's free for citizens. He laughed and turned to me. You hear that, Walker? She means they'll treat us if we come to heal. Thank you, Agent, but I think we'll go on taking care of ourselves. We like our independence. She raised her eyebrows. Taking care of yourself, Mayor? You found a way to do without that pipe that runs into your town? Spare me the propaganda, Agent. We've heard your message and we've got the tox under control. Walker, why don't you show our visitor to the Pacific? I think she can stay there without doing too much harm. I told her to bring her vehicle in and walked ahead to show where she could park. But I should have just got in the car with her because people kept coming up and doing the backslapping thing and saying what a legend I was, which was embarrassing and made everything really slow. You're a popular guy, she said as she locked her vehicle. Yeah, sorry about that, I said. You seem pretty popular too, though. Why were the Savs after you? I told them they should come and get treated, and then they said they'd prefer to stick with raiding towns and eating people. I laughed. I reckon you were wasting your time with them. You'd be surprised, she said. I've seen whole tribes show up at Crux. There's more hope for them than places that pretend to be tox-free. I turned and looked at her. So are those scars on your throat really from cysts, like the mayor said? That's right. But you had treatment and got rid of it. Yes and no, she said. It's complicated. What do you know about the tox? I thought for a moment and gave her the list they'd given us at school. That it's a virus, 
that it produces toxic cysts, that it sends you savage and then kills you, that Central dropped it on us to punish us for rebelling. Yeah, most of that's wrong, she said. We were almost at the Pacific now, an old truck stop diner and motel perched on the edge of a cracked concrete car park just inside the wall. Hardly anyone went there now, which is why the mayor had selected it. My own plan had simply been to drop her off and rejoin my friends as quickly as possible. But she had me intrigued. I stopped a couple of paces back from the door. What do you mean? Well, first up, it's not a virus. It's a gene hack. He started out as a virus, but the virus was just the carrier. Now the virus is gone, but the hack is everywhere. We're just born with it. All of us. Then we'd all be savage, I said. She shook her head and began rummaging in her pack. Savagery is just one form it takes. Here, you should read this. It'll explain how it works. She had pulled a book out of her bag, pale grey leather with the same crossed syringe symbol that I'd seen on her van. The sight of it sent a kind of spasm through my neck. I knew if I could see the embossed title on the spine, it would say, Roadbook. I felt a sudden panic, wondering what I would do if she tried to pass it to me. But she didn't offer me the book. Instead, she pulled something out from a pocket inside the back cover. A red folded card with white writing and rounded edges. Guide to the tox, it said up the top. Here you go, she said. Thanks, I'll take a look later on, I said, pushing it into my back pocket. I guess I should introduce you to Harry. I pulled open the aluminium frame door and the diner greeted us with wafts of burnt toast, coffee and cigarettes. Harry Frieden, the proprietor, was sitting in one of the booths, surrounded by piles of books. Hello, hello, who is this? I'd say you aren't my regular customers, but since I don't have any of those, I will say something different. Nice to see you, Chris. Who have you brought? Are you an agent? Is that what the alarm was about? I liked Harry. Before his eccentric ideas had gotten him sacked, he'd taught us reading and writing in year nine. Sometimes I still came down to the Pacific to chat with him or play a game of drafts. But I knew that once he got going, it would be hard to get a word in edgewise, and even harder to extract myself. Harry, this is Agent Varakis, I said. She had some savage chasing her and the mayor said she could stay here tonight. Before he could start, I said my farewell. Nice meeting you, Agent. I hope the rest of your journey goes better. Oh, and don't eat the fish sticks. I heard that, said Harry. I retreated, pausing at the door as I remembered a final question that I'd wanted to ask her. Hey, what was that you said about the pipe under our town? Water pipe, she said. Runs all the way from Central. All the towns west of the mountains are on it. Huh, I said. Stick and Flex had almost finished with the backfill by the time I made it back to the cemetery. Ooh, look, it's Gunner, said Flex with a grin. Can we be your friends, Gunner? Shut up, I said. Give me a shovel. They stepped back and let me do the last part. I packed in the clay and spread the lighter topsoil that we'd kept aside. It was a good job. If there was a dew, the little mound might even sprout a weed or two. That was the agent, said Stick as we shouldered our shovels. Dunno, I said. Bit weird. She reckons we've all got the tox and Central's going to wipe us out unless we get treatment. That'd make things simpler, said Stick. Maybe we should dig some more holes. Hey, is she really from Central? said Flex. Do you remember there was an agent that came round when we were kids and the Sabs got him? Yep, said Stick, looking at me. So you guys coming to the pub, I said, or am I going to have to drink my free drinks alone? We'll help you, said Stick. The morrow we die in on Main Street was full of noise and people and yellow light and cheering as we came in the doors. People kept calling me Gunner and telling me I was the saviour of the town and buying me drinks. I managed to pass most of those on to Stick and Flex, but the ones I downed helped me to feel a bit less embarrassed about it all.
I even tried telling some of the girls what had happened and managed to make it sound like I had known what I was doing. After that, someone put on some slower music and Sally Menders, who I'd always fancied from when we were at school but who had never paid me any attention, came over and dragged me up for a dance, which was nice, until she put her arms around my neck and something stabbed at the base of my skull. Hey, what was that? I said as I jerked backwards. What was what? I reached around to the back of my neck. Did you stick a pin in me or... A pin? What are you talking about, Chris? She said. I looked at her and shook my head. I I don't know. Sorry, Sally. I gotta go, I said. I broke away from her and blundered toward the toilets and then the back door of the hotel. Of course, as soon as I'd said it, I knew it wasn't a pin. It, It just wasn't that sort of pain. It might be an infected hair or an insect bite, perhaps even a pimple. But after my conversation with Eve Varakis, my first thought that it might be something else. Something much worse. And if it was that, then Sally Mendes was the last person I wanted knowing about it. My brain was still too foggy to think straight as I staggered home. But I was still clear-headed enough to be able to feel the small and tender lump at the nape of my neck. When I got back to the cottage, I found a piece of broken mirror and tried to look at it using the bathroom cabinet and an oil lamp. But the light was too dim and my eyes were too blurry and now I was suddenly really tired. I kicked off my boots and trousers and fell asleep on the couch. It was well after sunrise when I woke up. My head was pounding and my mouth felt so dry that I worried it would stick shut if I swallowed. But when I opened my eyes and saw the lamp and the mirror on the floor, I remembered everything. The mirror still wasn't much help to me. Even in the morning light, I thought I could maybe see an ominous yellow tinge in the skin when I pulled back the hair, But if it was a toxicist, it hadn't come to the surface yet. Maybe it never would, I thought. Maybe I'd just have the one cyst deep down there and nobody would ever know. On the other hand, what if this was just the start? What if the next one came up on my cheek, or forehead, or hand? Then I would be done. They would drag me in and give me the choice, just like they had with Angie, just like they had with so many others. From there, my mind scattered. If it was the tox... How had I caught it? From the agent? Surely it was too quick for that. What if it had already been in my system, like she said? I suddenly remembered the card she'd given me at the Pacific. It was still in my back pocket. I drew it out and unfolded it. Guide to the tox. Congenital perineural cystosis. The tox, or CPC, is a genetic disorder that is endemic to the Western Territories, or Autonomous Zone. It gives rise to toxin-filled cysts throughout a subject's nervous system, especially in the brain. CPC cysts cause a wide range of secondary physical and psychological effects, including sensory impairment, hostile or violent ideation, fixation and various forms of blah, 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 I thought and chucked it down. Maybe it would make more sense when my head hurt less. I resolved to stop thinking about the thing on my neck and get ready for work. I went into the kitchen and began to make myself a cup of coffee. But it was too bright in there, and the morning light was reflecting off the bits of mirror that my mum had glued to the wall. Just before the council had found out about her cysts, she had suddenly decided to cover all our blank walls with mosaics. For six weeks, she spent all her free time scrounging for bits of broken crockery and mirrors and sticking them up in the hall and kitchen. I closed one eye and squinted while I finished making my porridge and took it back to the lounge. The card had landed open on the floorboards so that it caught my eye as I set down my mug. Do you have the tox? It said on the inside flap. A quick survey to test yourself. I picked it up again and peered at it as I ate. Many of the most common signs of CPC are subtle. 
Read through the following list and see how many are true for you. I sometimes feel pleasure when I hear about bad things happening to other people, even my friends. If other people could see my thoughts, they would probably think I was evil. I can sometimes make myself feel better by thinking and talking about the wrong things other people do. I stopped reading. The remaining questions became a blur. Blood was tapping in my ears, and everything else seemed to have slowed down. I generally thought of myself as a pretty normal person, but my normal included all of these things. I did actually enjoy hearing stories of savage attacks on other towns. I mean, I knew they were horrible, but there was something pleasurable about them too. I'd felt a secret satisfaction when Stick was dumped by his girlfriend three weeks before. Of course, I acted like a sympathetic friend, and I was genuinely sorry for him. But underneath, there was also that little feeling like satisfaction. And thinking about the first thing led to the second. If I imagined other people being able to see my thoughts, then there would be all kinds of stuff to freak them out. Hadn't I just been thinking about murdering the parson, bashing out his brains with a spade? If I had Stick or Flex talking like that out loud, I would have worried they were going savage. Was that what I was? Was I some sort of secret savage in my head? I sagged down on the couch. My head still ached, and now I felt like I'd been punched in the stomach as well. I thought about taking the day off, telling Marge at the aquaponics joint that I was feeling sick. I was going to be late now anyway. But I didn't want to be stuck at home. I wanted to run away. I wanted to go away somewhere where I wouldn't have to worry about what was happening to me or what people would do if they found out about that thing on my neck. I wanted to see the agent. I finished getting ready and charged back down to the Pacific, only to find that I was too late. After dawn, said Harry from behind the counter. Grabbed a coffee and said that was it. Said she'd seen the people she had to see and had other places to go. Pretty interesting lady, that one. She's given me a lot to think about. You know, I met another agent once, a long time ago, who... But I'd stopped listening. Thanks, Harry, I said. I went to open the door, but he leaned forward, holding out something white. Not so fast, Mr Walker. She left you a note. She'd written it on a folded paper napkin with my name on the outside and two sentences on the reverse. Go east toward the risen sun and I will find you. Crux is your only hope. I made my way to work and made my apologies for being late. Marge was easier on me than I expected. I went about my tasks, feeding the fish, checking the nitrates, cleaning the siphons and topping up the tanks. But I kept going over the things that the agent had said, kept thinking about what I'd read on the card she'd given me. Did I believe her? Could I believe that everyone was tox-affected? It went so completely against everything that our town stood for. And what was I going to do about that thing on my neck? If it was a cyst, I was living with a time bomb. One day that cyst, or a deeper one that I didn't know about, would rupture and kill me. In the meantime, the tox would be doing other bad things to my brain and personality. Maybe savagery. Maybe something else. I took the flyer out of my pocket and turned to the next flap. F-A-Q. Q. How can I have the tox if I don't have any cysts? A. Tox cysts can grow anywhere in a person's nervous system, especially in the brain and thus mostly occur out of sight. Q. How can I have the tox if I'm not savage? A. Violence and savagery are just one manifestation of the tox. Apart from the signs listed in the survey above, other manifestations can include fixation or obsession, early onset short-sightedness, 
acute awareness of slights received paired with insensitivity to wrongs done. Note, tox signs frequently occur in clusters such that members of local communities experience similar symptoms. I just stood there with the hose pouring out onto the concrete floor. I had seen examples of all these things. There was the fixation. I thought of my mum's sudden mosaic obsession, Flex's mad and short-lived business projects. I knew about the short-sightedness too. It was the reason why gunners and spotters never kept their posts past their mid-twenties. All the adults in Spillen had degenerative eyesight. Finally, there was the stuff about the slights and wrongs. People were always falling out and having feuds in our town. My neighbours two doors down had been fighting with each other for ten years because Nancy had trimmed an overhanging branch and thrown it back over Bob's fence. Just two weeks before, two kids had been arrested for trying to burn down the cinema because it hadn't let them in without shoes. Three months before. Even Marge, my boss, was likely to fly into a rage if I didn't call her boss. And of course, it was then that Marge saw me. She was furious. What do you think you're doing? I made allowances for you this morning with what happened yesterday, but this is coming out of your pay. What do you think will happen if we bust our water ration? Oh, sorry, Marge, I said as I shut off the hose. I got distracted. No, really? I'd never have guessed. Get yourself together or look for another job, kiddo. And it's boss, not Marge to you. But thinking about the water reminded me of something else. Boss, where does our water come from? Underground. Yeah, but is it like from a bore or... Perfection's sake, there's a pipe. Now stop daydreaming and get back to work. But there was no hope of that now. It was like the agent had told me the sky was made of plaster and suddenly I had looked up and noticed a crack in it. If the agent was right about the tox and about the water, then maybe she was telling the truth about there being a cure. Maybe a cyst didn't have to mean the end. Maybe I could get inoculated. Maybe we wouldn't have to keep killing and exiling. And then the crack widened and a chunk of the sky fell in on me. Because if she was right... If everyone had the tox, then we'd been killing and exiling people for nothing. I thought about Stick's sister lying under the dirt, and my own mother trying not to cry as they took her off to the police station. I felt like I was going to throw up, like I'd been crushed. Then I thought I might kill someone. I turned off the tap handle so hard it snapped and walked out of the greenhouse. <laughs> 